you please be seated. Turn with me, if you will, to Matthew 9. Uh, Matthew chapter 9, we'll, we'll be looking at verses 18 through 34 this morning. Uh, again, uh, apologies for the insert in your service sheet. It cuts off a couple of verses, uh, again, rather important ones. Um, so if, you, if you'd like to turn to page 764 of your church Bibles, uh, you'll find Matthew 9, verses 18 through 34. We're coming back to Matthew after a, a two-week uh, break, I guess, or, or uh, hiatus uh, for the Easter season. But uh, we're we're and we're coming back at a at a point where we're we're concluding a uh, really what is a, a section of Matthew uh, verse chapters eight and nine uh, what immediately followed the the Sermon on the Mount this this period of of uh, intense teaching from Christ uh, followed by these these series of uh, really what are, are ten miracles uh, and, and so uh, we're we're coming to the end of that and this morning we're going to hear kind of the verdict on that. From, from the Pharisees, this, this group of people who followed, uh, who, who they weren't really followers of Jesus in, in the sense we usually mean, but, but they, they tracked Jesus is probably a better way of saying it. Uh, but Matthew 9, beginning in verse 18, reading through verse 34, this is God's word. While he was saying these things to them, behold, a ruler came in and knelt before him, saying, My daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her and she will live. And Jesus rose and followed him with his disciples. And behold, a woman who had suffered from a discharge of blood for twelve years came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment. For she said to herself, If I only touch his garment, I will be made well. Jesus turned and seeing her, he said, Take heart, daughter, your faith has made you well. And instantly the woman was made well. And when Jesus came to the ruler's house and saw the flute players in the crowd making a commotion, he said, Go away, for the girl is not dead but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But when the crowd had been put outside, he went in and took her by the hand. And the girl arose, and the report of this went through all that district. And as Jesus passed on from there, two blind men followed him, crying aloud, Have mercy on us, son of David. When he entered the house, the blind men came to him, and Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? They said to him, Yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it done to you. And their eyes were opened, and Jesus sternly warned them, See that no one knows about it. But they went away and spread his fame through all that district. As they were going away, behold, a demon-oppressed man who was mute was brought to him. And when the demon had been cast out, the mute man spoke, and the crowds marveled, saying, Never has, was anything like this seen in Israel. But the Pharisees said, He casts out demons by the prince of demons. Amen. The grass withers, the flower fades, the word of our God stands forevermore. Whose side is he on? That's the, the question that has been on the minds of the, the religious leaders Throughout chapters 8 and 9 of Matthew's Gospel, if, if you've been with us, you've seen them following Jesus and, and watching what he does and, and listening to the things that he said and questioning him about his actions. Now we, we hear in verse 34 uh, their judgment on Jesus. What do they say, these, these religious leaders, the, the Pharisees? Well, verse 34, they, they said he casts out demons 
by the prince of demons. And I want to suggest that verse 34 is actually a, a turning point. It's a, it's a key upon which so much of, of what happens to Jesus and his followers hinges upon. Understanding who these men are, they are, are religious leaders. The, the Pharisees were a sect of Judaism, and they were particularly strict so Jesus turns up and they, they see him do these, these incredible things, ten, 10 miraculous signs in these last two, two chapters. But what's their verdict? Well, they say that, that Jesus does these things through the power of Satan. And I begin with these words because I think they are critical for us in understanding our own hearts. Most of us think that, that if I could just see Jesus, if I could have just been there for, one of these, for just one of these miracles then I'd believe. Well, the Pharisees tell us this, this, isn't, the, this isn't true. And what Matthew shows us is, is the personal work of Jesus, and what he tells us is you have to take him as you find him. Notice who, who was healed here. It was those who had faith. It was the ones who, who saw their deep need of Christ. But why were the Pharisees so upset by Jesus? Why didn't they believe in him? Well, well there's, there's four things that I want to pull out of these verses this morning that I think will help us get to the reason why the, the Pharisees were, were unhappy to, to understand where they were coming from. Four things. One, Jesus can make the unclean clean. Second, Jesus can make the darkness light. Third, Jesus can make evil scatter. And fourth, Jesus calls you to see your need of him and trust him to do his work. We'll hear those again during the sermon. First, Jesus can make the unclean clean. Those, those of you who were with us a few weeks ago uh, may remember the, the first healing that we looked at back in chapter 8. As Jesus was, was coming down off, off of the mountain where he, was, where, where he preached his sermon, uh, a, a leper cried out to him. And he, he healed the leper. And you'll remember at that time that we, we talked about uh, what it meant to be unclean. And if you weren't here, don't, don't worry, I'll explain it briefly. But in Jesus' day, there were, uh, they, they, well, they didn't have modern medicine, so they had very strict laws written to dictate how certain diseases were to be dealt with. And, and they were dealt with in order to protect the society as a whole. And so uh, things that, that, that couldn't be healed, uh, they had to, they had, they had to uh, isolate. And so in the case of, uh, of lepers, it was forbidden for them to enter certain places, and it was, and it was forbidden for them uh, to be touched by another person. And this morning we have a, a double uncleanness. There are two ways a person could potentially be uh, could could potentially come in contact with disease. Was to to come into contact with blood, or with a dead body. So understand that these laws weren't in place to exclude people, although it, it felt that way, and, and, and it, it, because it did exclude people, but it wasn't, it wasn't legalism. But they were there to protect the wider community from the, the spreading of potentially deadly diseases. And, and again, I, I said it a few weeks ago, I'll say it again, we can't be too judgmental about that after having lockdowns and pandemics to do this very thing, to protect the NHS from being overwhelmed by a deadly disease. But the thing about first century Israel was that all their laws were, were interconnected with their faith, Judaism. So the Pharisees looking on, some of them would be, would be priests who, who had the, the right 
and the responsibility for, for declaring people clean or unclean. But the one thing that they certainly couldn't do was make them clean. They could only declare if someone was or wasn't. So if these men were to, to come into contact with an unclean person themselves, they would have been unclean for a time. They would have had to, to separate themselves. And they would have had to gone through a period of, of purification, the same as everyone else. The, these men looking on could not make someone clean. But what about Jesus? What do, we, what do we see in Jesus? Well, we first see a father come to him, and, and he's, he's an important man, this father. He's a ruler, and we're told that, that, that even though he's a, he's a ruler, the kind of person that other people probably bow to, what does he do? He bows down before Jesus and asks him to come and heal his daughter, who's, who's actually already dead. We don't know much about this ruler. Uh, it's, it's almost unfathomable to think that he was a, a Jewish ruler. There's a good chance he was, he was Roman or, or at least had been appointed by the Romans. Yet Jesus gets up and he, he goes with this man. And it's astounding and, and, and it's perhaps presumptuous of Jesus to do this, isn't it? Up until now you've seen him healing people, but, but we've never seen him raise the dead. The thing that this ruler is asking is is Ridiculous. All it will do is cause Jesus to be unclean from from touching a dead body. But he unhesitatingly goes. But then while he's on on his way, uh, a woman sneaks up on him. And this woman had had an issue. She had a a discharge of blood. Uh, She would have been considered unclean. It says that that she would have been unclean for for 12 years that she had this, this issue. But when she hears about Jesus, she doesn't worry about clean or unclean. And she doesn't worry about accidentally touching others in the crowd and, and perhaps making them unclean. She doesn't worry about touching Jesus and, and making him unclean. She, she knows, doesn't she? She believes that, that this Jesus, this man, can make her well. So she, she reaches out and she touches the edge of his garment. And what happens? Verse 22. Jesus turned and seeing her, he said, Take heart, daughter. Your faith has made you well. And instantly the, the woman was made well. This woman didn't make Jesus unclean. Rather, he made her well. He made her clean. And that would be astounding in isolation, but, but look what happens next. Jesus arrives at the house, doesn't he? This home of the dead girl and, and the professional mourners are out in force. Did you notice that? Uh, that's right, they had... They, they would hire professionals to come and to, to be sad for the dead in those days, just to show how, how, how much they, they really cared about the dead person. And so it says he, he, there were flute players and, and different people raising a commotion, and, and Jesus sends them away, saying, the girl isn't dead, she's, she's just asleep. And notice what they do. They, they laugh at him. And that's actually, that's actually a, a, a key uh, component for us to notice. You know, in their case, laughter. Uh, notice in, in, in their laughter who they considered to be the idiot. Notice who they thought was the fool. These people are quite confident that this person they're mourning for is actually dead. Like they've checked. They're, they're the professional mourners. They don't mourn for people who are just asleep. They know if they're dead. And so anyone who turns up and says, oh, she's asleep, must be a fool, or, or, or and, and anyone who touches her is going to be unclean. 
And Jesus turns them out. And he goes into the room and he takes the dead girl's hand and, and life returns to her. Now what do we conclude about a man who does these things? What do we conclude about a man who can make the unclean clean? A man who can heal a, a decades-long illness and bring a dead child back to life? What do you think of him? We've, we've never seen a man like this before, have we? Well, we know what the Pharisees concluded of him, right? They saw it all and decided that, that he must have some special power that, that they didn't have. But rather than embracing that, the, the jealousy and skepticism of their hearts grew and they determined that, that this power this, the, the, that Jesus had must be evil. And then we have the second scene. Uh, and in the second scene this morning, we, we see uh, that, that these blind men were, uh, were, were, were given sight. And, and in that, we see that Jesus can, can make the darkness light, can't he? It's a much simpler scene than the first, but you have these two blind men following Jesus. And you can imagine the scene, these two men hearing about, about this guy who's, who's healing people. And, and they've heard about the things that he's done, and they're, they're in this crowd, and they're trying to, to keep up with Jesus. They're trying to figure out where he's going, but they're blind. They're, they're trying to feel their way around. And finally, they just, they just cry out to him, don't they? Have mercy on us, son of David. Have mercy on us. The, the title is actually important. In fact, it's really important. David, David was the greatest king in Israel's history. And God made a covenant with David. That, that, uh, a covenant is just a sacred promise. But he makes this covenant with David that an, an heir of David would sit on the throne of God's people forever. So these two blind men are calling out to Jesus as though he is the, the rightful and promised king over God's people. That's quite a serious thing to do. And the question is, do these blind men see more clearly than the Pharisees? Almost certainly the Pharisees would have, would have heard these men. They would have heard their cry. What, what would they have thought? We see in other places where, uh, where the common belief was that, that blindness was the result of sinfulness. If you were born blind, then clearly your parents had done something terribly sinful. And God was judging both the parents and the child. The Pharisees would almost certainly have thought that these men were unworthy of sight. And that there was nothing that, that could be done for them. Even in our modern world, there's, there's not much that we could do, is there? Blindness is one of the most difficult physical ailments in our world today. There have been a, a recent... In recent years, uh, some breakthroughs using uh, microchips and computer technology in aiding people with blindness. But in most cases, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a condition that, that we just have to learn to cope with. Even with all of our medical technology and knowledge, we cannot cure blindness. So what does Jesus do? Jesus turns on the lights. He opens their eyes so that they can see. He turns the darkness of the, the, this, this limited world these men have, have known. And he, he brings light and clarity and vision to these men. Now what kind of man could do such a thing? It's not a man that we've ever seen before, is it? How do we explain him? Well, the Pharisees said that he had some power. But it must have been evil. 
The blind men, though, want everyone to know what Jesus did for them, didn't they? Jesus warned them not to tell anyone, but, but they couldn't help it. They just couldn't help themselves. They, they, they've seen the king. They've gone out, and they, they tell everybody. They want everyone to know about this man who can, who can heal the blind, who can give sight to the blind. Is that the, the actions, though, of men who, who fear the power that healed them? Did the ones who experienced the healing think that it was, that it was evil? Now, the third scene we see is the, the one that the Pharisees spoke directly to. And in it, we see that, that Jesus can make, make evil scatter, can't he? Look back at verses 32 to 33. As they were going away, behold, a demon-oppressed man who was mute was brought to the, him. And when the demon had been cast out, the mute man spoke. And the crowds marveled, saying, Never was anything like this seen in Israel. Now Matthew gives us in, in quick succession these, these uh, four miracles. And the last one here is this, this man who had, had never spoken. He was a, a man who had been oppressed by an evil spirit, or, or he was demon-possessed. And this isn't the, the first demon that Jesus has come across, is it? You'll remember uh, a few weeks ago the, the men who had been possessed by, by evil spirits, by demons, and they were so violent that, that the people in the, the, the town nearby wouldn't walk past the, the place where they lived. That is, until Jesus sent them into a, into a herd of pigs. Now, today's demon is, is perhaps less violent, but no less oppressive. The man uh, that he was associated with was mute and hadn't spoken for, we're not told how long. We're not even told what Jesus said. Simply that, that the, the demon was cast out and the man spoke. And you can, you can imagine him praising God, can't you? And bearing witness to the work of Christ. You see, Jesus is a, a man unlike any, any we've seen before. When he turns up, evil scatters before him. The demons cannot bear to be found in his presence. The Pharisees, on the other hand, they couldn't make the unclean clean. They couldn't, they, they, they couldn't turn the darkness into light. And they couldn't heal this man. They couldn't cause evil to flee. And Matthew really underscores the point, doesn't he? In verse 33, the crowds were amazed because nothing like this had ever been seen before. At least not that they had ever seen. This Jesus was a man unlike any that they had, they had ever seen or met before. And they followed Jesus. They followed Jesus. And the question for us is, what conclusions do we draw about him? What are we, what are we meant to believe and to do? That's why in our, our fourth point, we, we actually hear the call of Jesus. Jesus calls you to, to see your need of him and to trust him to do his work. And that's the whole theme that Matthew has been driving home, not only today, but, but throughout uh, these last two chapters, that Jesus calls you to see your need of him and to trust him to do his work in your life. You see, the mistake we, we often make is, is usually the same mistake that, that the Pharisees made. We see these, these things that Jesus did uh, through the testimony of Matthew, and, and we, we think we should be the ones doing that. We think the application of this, of this passage is that, 
that we should be able to, to make the unclean things clean, to bring light to darkness, to cause evil to flee before us. We see what Jesus did, and, and on our best days, we may, want, we may want to do the same things in Jesus' name. But our problem is, is that we still want to be the ones doing We want the authority and ability to make ourselves and our world whole. That was, the, that was the heart of the problem of the Pharisees. Their sinful hearts caused them to, to be hardened towards Jesus, to, to look at Jesus and, and see everything that, that they weren't, and to, to covet that, that power and that authority. And they completely missed the point that they, that they needed someone outside of themselves to, to enter into their world someone that they'd, they'd never seen before to come and to, to heal them. Because while they, while they weren't themselves suffering with, with the physical ailments, the physical ailments that, that surrounded them in, in their community and in their world pointed to the much deeper ailment in each of our hearts. That's the sin that, that defines us and causes us to harden our hearts towards God and His Son. That's our problem. We want to make ourselves whole, don't we? But we're powerless to bring the salvation that Jesus brings. Just think about our, our culture of doing around us. Lots of lots of people want to help refugees, don't they? They want to, or, or they want to help bring bring justice to to those who've been discriminated against historically, or they want to they want to right whatever whatever wrong they see. They want to make the world a, a better place, a safer place. And they may look at, at what Jesus did and, and, and they may think Jesus was, was a good guy and he had the right idea. There's a lot of injustice out there and Jesus was, was a good example of what we, should, what we should strive to do. Welcome the outsiders. Heal the, the hurting you think about many churches out there. They, they, would, they would read these verses and say, we need to be the hands and feet of Jesus to the broken in our world, similar to, to the charitable in our society. They want to do good and even do good in Jesus' name. They want to bring healing. And that's not a bad thing. But that's not the point of these verses. And that's not the point that, uh, of Jesus coming. You see, the point of these verses is to cause us to see our need of him. To see our, our desperate need of his healing. To see like the, the father of the de- dead child. The bleeding woman. The blind men. And the demon possessed man. That we suffer from the, the diseases of sin. And, and we cannot make ourselves well in our own strength. Did you notice who was healed in these verses? Did you notice how they approached Jesus? They didn't come to him and say, look, look, look at, at what I have to offer you. I'm one of your followers because I'm, I'm doing the things that, that you did or, or I'm trying to. Notice how the father of the dying girl came to him. This great ruler comes to him and, and humbles himself and bows down before Jesus and he professes faith. If you come and touch my dead daughter, then she will live. He had nowhere else to turn. This was the one man who could bring healing to the dead. 
The father came by faith. How did the bleeding woman come to Jesus? It wasn't, it wasn't with quite the same boldness as the father, was it? But it was with simple faith. She knew her need of him. She didn't want to, to be a bother. She knew he was busy. And she knew that all she was needed, that was needed was that, that bit of faith and that little contact to be made well. And she came by faith, knowing the power that Jesus possessed. And Jesus showed her the fullness of his love and grace. And then the blind men were loud, weren't they? They cried out to Jesus for mercy. But they came by faith. And they were desperate for Jesus to, to simply stop for a little moment and look for the men who couldn't see him. And Jesus said that it was their faith that made them well. And then there's the demon-possessed man. He couldn't cry out for mercy. He was mute. I'm not sure that he even had the strength or ability to, to come. But people brought him. They knew his need and they, they knew that no one else could make him well. So he was brought by faith and, and Jesus made him well. And when you look at our, our world today, what do, you, what do we see? You see we see the, the hearts of the Pharisees, don't we? We see a Phariseeism, uh, a calling, of, of, uh, a, a calling of, of, of legalism, to believe certain things, to behave in certain ways. But what do we see in Jesus? In Jesus, we see a calling to come by faith, to trust and to be healed. In Jesus, we see someone, as, as the people gathered there that, that day said, someone who we've never seen before. Never was anything like this seen in Israel. Never was anything like this seen in our day, in our world, apart from the testimony of the Gospels. What are we meant to conclude from this? It's simple, really, isn't it? Matthew wants us to, to see Jesus as God incarnate. Matthew wants us to see our true king and the true king over all creation who has authority to cleanse the unclean, to bring light to darkness, and to drive out the evil of our world. And not only is he, is he able to do that, he's, he's willing to do it. And he's willing for sinners like you and I to come to him seeking mercy and healing. He desires and longs for us to see our need of him like a diseased person who can't be healed in any other way. That's the whole reason he came. He came because our God is a God of grace and mercy towards sinners like us. He's a God who heals the brokenness and, and brings joy where there was sorrow. And the calling for you and I is to not be like the Pharisees, to not harden our hearts to the joy of the grace of God, to not think that we need to earn it, to not mistake Jesus for some good example uh, or for some wise teacher. Rather, our calling is, is to come to him by faith and receive his healing mercy. Let us pray.